Blog Talk Radio. These interviews from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews, an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now, welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews. We have over 17 years now. We've been asking the entrepreneurs of one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott, and I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show. Well, we're meeting with Neil Hirschman, the CEO of 16 Handles. And 16 Handles opened its first store in Manhattan's East Village in 2008, becoming the first self-serve frozen yogurt shop in New York City. We're going to talk to Neil about that in just a moment on Franchise Interviews. So stick around because we have a great show. Franchisers, are you looking to reach aspiring entrepreneurs looking to buy a franchise? Are you looking to reach a highly educated audience on franchising? Franchise Interviews, an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship through our website, FranchiseInterviews.com, where you can hear and read interviews as well as get tips from some of the most successful sources in franchising. Our weekly franchise radio show where each week you get to hear a new interview with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts and attorneys, and our podcast, Great Quotes in Franchising. For more information, go to FranchiseInterviews.com or call us at 610-905-2919. That's 610-905-2919. Hi, this is Connie McDermott, Administrative Assistant for Franchise Interviews, LLC. And you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 17 years now, we've been asking the entrepreneurs of one one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with Neil Hirschman, CEO of 16 Handles. And 16 Handles opened its first store in Manhattan's East Village in 2008, becoming the first self-serve frozen yogurt shop in New York City. Hi, Neil. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Doing well today. Good. That's fantastic, Neil. We always like to ask our guests, where are you calling from this morning, Neil? I'm in our office in Midtown Manhattan, a block away from, uh, let's see, the, the third 16 handles that was ever built in Murray Hill. Um, and, uh, you know, it's the middle of the winter, so it's a grind. We've got a lot of stores under construction and, and development now. So uh, just reviewing some plans and uh, helping out some franchisees. That's great, Neil. You know, it's 800 of these interviews, Neil, and I find your story to be one of the most interesting. I thought, you know, maybe we can kind of go back a little bit to, to the beginning and, you know, you can talk about how you got involved in franchising. Sure. Um, so uh, I graduated from university with a degree in finance and astrophysics and decided to go the finance route because mm-hmm. uh, I like money and uh, <laughs> I didn't want to stay in school for another two years and do a PhD right. in astrophysics, which is really what you need to, to get that career jump started. So sure. um, went into the finance route and, and worked at a great asset manager, uh, a fund-to-fund, a hedge fund, 
um, it, it was a really great um, job and a work mm-hmm. experience, and, and I really enjoyed uh, what I was doing and, and worked work my way up very quickly in the the, uh, the corporate setting, but it just wasn't the lifestyle for me, and I, I right. knew that pretty quickly, but kind of stayed with it because I, I really did enjoy the work. Um, mm-hmm. But it was when I saw people you know, 20, 30 years my senior, working the same hours, making great money, you know, no mm-hmm. doubt about that, but just right. not necessarily happy in life, not necessarily doing fulfilling work. Um, and uh, it, I, I just knew I, I needed something else. Uh, and so I was working on a few different side projects at the time. One of them mm-hmm. panned out uh, better than others. And, and so um, I, I handed in my resignation and basically had a bunch of free time within my day, mm-hmm. had a little bit of cash to invest into whatever next project I was going to step into, and uh, and yeah, just had, had a lot of energy. So that was kind of uh, you know the 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 ingredients that came together, and and I started looking at different opportunities, really in food mm-hmm. and beverage. I I thought it'd be really cool to own a bar or a fast yeah. food, you know, a fast service um, food establishment because. Those were the places I were going. I was going, and those were the places that I knew about. And, and you know, I, I just wanted to be active and, and doing stuff that you know actually fit within my life. And uh, mm-hmm. Sixteen Handles was a brand that I really loved. It was the Froyo uh, shop that I went to all the time. Sometimes at right. dinner, sometimes after dinner, sometimes right. on a date, sometimes you know with friends just to catch up. It was just a great spot to hang out at. Great dessert all the time, um, and, and great location in the East Village. I actually. Lived in the East Village at the time, and so mm-hmm. to what was the original 16 Handles location, and uh, so somehow it just you know made sense to set up a meeting with the uh, the franchisor and, and talk right. to them. And uh, compared to every other opportunity that I, I you know kind of looked at and, and spoke to, I saw so much potential in 16 Handles that was mm-hmm. unexplored, and, and I knew that right. with my energy and, and, and optimism and you know, having been a customer for you know two or three years at that point, I knew a lot of the changes that I would enact on day one. And so I used an SBA loan, acquired my first uh, 16 handles location, um, realized the profit potential was even higher than I thought if the stores mm-hmm. would run really well. Because right. what tends to happen a lot in these businesses is people make their, their you know, return on investment um, relatively quickly, and mm-hmm. you know, year after year, they they start becoming a little bit more passive, and then all of a sudden, uh, you look at things, and it's like, wait, the, you know, the the bathroom's not working. <laughs> Why does nobody <laughs> right. call the plumber? Because right, the owner's right. not answering the phone. It's like it's stupid little silly things. Right. But when you compound them together, you know, uh, they add up to a, a a customer experience that's not you know great, and and is not going to expand, but instead starts retracting, and so. I started making all these changes, really listened to the employees and the customers. I was working the register all the time yeah. um, just to, to really understand the customer experience. And uh, so I was able to turn one store into two stores, into three stores very quickly um, just by, you know, taking the profits and, and investing them elsewhere. Uh, and I was working, you know, every shift, every day um, mm-hmm. to make these stores better and, and to really understand the concepts. And at that point, you know, I had these ideas about how I would build the next 16 handles, what it would look like, right. because the stores I was taking over, I was renovating, and they they were you know 10 years old or so. Um, right. And so now a lot has changed in, in society over over that decade, and so it was mm-hmm. you know, time to relook at that and, and put emphasis on on different parts of the business. And so uh, you know I started building 
new location uh, in Tribeca, and then COVID hit, and instead of you know saying, oh, you know, let me get out of New York City, mm-hmm. uh, right. it's kind of the opposite. It was everybody else left New York City. The landlords are desperate for tenants. They're willing to make these great deals. Let me go snag some deals. And, and then in two, yeah. three years, uh, you know, at some point, New York City was going to return, and, and right. surely it did. Uh, so I, I opened up a Times Square location for 16 animals. Wow. Uh, and at that point, I was exploring some other uh, acquisitions within the brand, but I had I had seven stores, and, and the acquisition of the brand, um, you know, made the most sense rather than taking over additional locations and molding them to the future of 16 handles. Why mm-hmm. not, you know, actually control the future of 16 handles and help others, um, you know, have the same return on investment that I'm having and, and be able right. to scale it even faster. Because, you know, myself and a few other really successful franchisees were talking and, and realized that we all had the same vision of, of the potential of 16 handles. And so, yeah, that, that's the, the brief overview of uh, everything in the last few years. It's a great story, Neil. You know, and one of the things I was reading about you, you know, I know you were in Franchise Times, but one of the stories that stood out is when you were going for a loan. It was interesting. You, you somehow knew you were going to be able to finance this thing. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that because it seemed like you were really confident. Yeah, I mean, it, it, exactly that uh, is I, I basically came to an agreement on the terms for uh, for what the acquisition of the franchise or would be, and I knew this was you know the evolution of everything I've been working on, and, and mm-hmm. there's so much potential with it, and, and so much work to be done that nobody else could do, uh, right. you know, better than me. I was the one who was experiencing it for the last five years, um, you know, on the ground, and so I, I really knew this business through and through. Uh, and so we, we came to an agreement, um, but, you know, financing is not easy on, on startup right. businesses. Of course, there's the SBA and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the SBA works through really banks and, and the right. banks at the right. end of the day get to make a lot of the decisions. And so you have to get, you know, in front of an investment committee and, and have an investment that makes sense for that bank, especially, you know, when you're, the, the SBA now is, offering 90% loans. And so some people read that and say, mm-hmm. oh, you know, it's so easy to get money. Right. They're not just going to give any money. You know, you're not right. getting 90% <laughs> leverage um, right. just because it's, you know, theoretically, uh, you know, on a checklist somewhere. So yeah. it, it, was, it was definitely a struggle and there was definitely a lot of hoops and downs and, and a mm-hmm. lot of networking to find the right people who, who understood the vision for this company, understood the potential we're able to value it appropriately because right. franchise businesses are, are quite difficult to value. Um, mm-hmm. Every franchise store right. operates a little bit differently. Sure. Um, and, you know, the stores are a little bit even easier to value because a, a store business usually trades, you know, around three, three X um, EBITDA. Whereas okay. the franchisor, uh, if you look at the public market where you have some of these massive franchisors, are sometimes trading between, you know, 12, 12 actually, but, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, as you scale, you do become, you know, more, more uh, cash efficient and profitable. And so very hard to value. So I had to, had to really right. find the right partner. Even then it was like, you know, okay, things are going to go get approved. Oh, wait, here's something else we need. And here's something else we need. And, and it was always, there's just one more thing. Um, but kind of just never gave up even at the point where, you know, I was, I was kind of, uh, you, you have these moments, right, where you're like, mm-hmm. the, the mountains in front of me are just too large. Right. There's just no way around it. 
you go to bed, you wake up the next day, and you say, all right, let's just start attacking it. One by sure. one by one, check off the list, and eventually, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing in your way other than yourself, really. It's like everything right. can get done. You need to, uh, need to find the right people, find the right bank, find the, you know, get the right deal terms, and uh, eventually we got the deal done. Maybe you could talk a little bit about, because, you know, one of the fascinating parts of the story, you know, you, you probably get this question a lot, is, is how you met Danny Duncan. Can you just tell that story briefly? Because I, I think that's an amazing part of the story. Yeah, no, and it, it definitely uh, is going to be a huge part of 16 Handles and, and has yeah. already been, but a uh, really exciting part of, of where our future, especially the next six months, lie as, as we open up so many units around the country in right. Texas, Florida. So um, it, it's, a, it's a funny story. Danny was in New York City because uh, he had a, a video that he was filming that uh, he mm-hmm. was trying to meet up with um, somebody in New York City. It ends up falling through, so uh, he was kind of bummed and, and walking around and went out to dinner with some friends. Yeah. Uh, he wanted to get dessert. He asked his friends who were from New York City, where should we get dessert? And his friend said, oh, 16 Handles is right, across, you know, right around the street. And, you know, this is why 16 Handles is successful. It's the place where people want to go, not right. kids after school, but people in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s. Right. It's like it's right. a cool place, and it, it, we have such mm-hmm. a strong culture in New York City and, and everywhere around the Northeast that we'll now get to bring around the country. But, um, yeah, so he, he went to 16 Handles. Uh, he had this great experience. He even told – uh, the employee working there, that this was like the best, cleanest pro-yo shop he's ever been into. Wow. Uh, and he loved it from the back. Uh, and then he uploaded a video where the store was kind of in the background because he was just vlogging and talking. Right. And by, you know, by total coincidence, one of my friends sees that video, sends it to me and says, hey, the famous guy was in your store. And I immediately recognized, you know, Danny because yeah. uh, any, anyone growing up uh, kind of <laughs> right. in, in the YouTube age where it's like, we sure. stopped paying for cable and we, we just watch YouTube. It's like, yeah. every, you, you know the big people on YouTube. And for the last decade, Danny has been a very successful, um, you know, person on YouTube. And so uh, off of that, I sent him a, a message on Instagram just thanking him for, for coming out and, and showing mm-hmm. the store in the back of his videos, you know, being a, an entrepreneur, saying, hey, next time you're in New York, you know, come by and I'll uh, I'll, I'll give you a bunch of free pro-yo and, mm-hmm. you know, it could be good for the brand and, um, at that time, I was also already uh, involved in, in the acquisition of the brand, um, and Danny and I started talking, and, and he really yeah. did have a great experience. He liked things that make people happy, which is the same as uh, I do. I always say we're, we're selling pink cups of happiness and, and blue cups of happiness. Right. Um, right. Those are the brand colors, and, and so uh, the mission, you know, really aligned with what he's looking for. Uh, and, and he was looking for some alternative investments because, uh, you know, it, it's hard to be behind a camera all day, every day sure. uh, as you're living. And so he's just looking for uh, some things that, that are a little bit different and, and some investments with even more potential. Um, not to say what he's doing is not great. There's months that he right. does a million dollars in merch sales in a right. single month. So, uh, yeah. you know, Danny, Danny kills it. But, um, yeah, his, his audience is great. It makes a lot of sense for Zixi Handles. And so it was like almost instantaneous that not really just the partnership, but the friendship between him and I uh, made sense. And, and so he came uh, came on board as a minority investor and uh, an equity yeah. holder in Sixteen Handles. And as we start to open the the new stores, you'll see a lot more of him and, and a lot of uh, a lot of advertising and marketing uh, that I'll say atypical, non traditional. Mm-hmm. Uh, will will be guerrilla marketing that gets you know, these right. viral views on on these social media networks where people are 
the kind of content and, and experiences that people want to see, and, and uh, yeah, that's what we're working towards. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's wonderful, Neil. I, I think what intrigued me about your story the most, Neil, you know, because we've been doing the show such a long time now, you know, and, and you seem a, a bit different from the typical franchisee because a lot of times when people go into franchising, they just they, they, they follow the system to a T. But to me, in studying your background, I mean, you from that early stage, you 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 went in and you're kind of like the opposite. You said, you know, I could make this better. And I, and I think that's what intrigued me most about, you know, your story and is really, you are, you know, the CEO today, you know, but, but that's an interesting, I, I find that an interesting part of the story. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And, uh, I think, you know, within that, of course, franchises are great. You get so much power from a mm-hmm. brand immediately. That's, you know, almost impossible to get if you just open a one-off store. You also get the system, the product, et cetera. But, um, Everything always has room for improvement. It's just you right. know, people have to put in the work to, to improve it. Right. Uh, you know, even uh, these large, you know, Dunkin' Donuts, I'm sure is not perfect in every store. Sure. Right? They're still working right. on, on improvement. So it's like every, everything always has room for improvement. The great thing and the reason I think franchising works so well, especially for ice cream and, mm-hmm. and frozen yogurt and frozen dessert, is because, like, dessert is such a community event. Um, right. It's where you come together after everything else as your final celebration, as your final, mm-hmm. you know, yes. kind of yes. sigh of relief that the day is over and you can just enjoy and relax and, um, you know, celebrate the wins, whatever it is. And so having that community-centric culture requires mm-hmm. locally in that community. And that's why, frankly, right. I think works so well in our business, especially is because you get the power of the brand, but then you also have somebody local in their community who really understands that community and you'll see as we're building out these new stores, we're being very thoughtful in not the same design, just, you know, posted a bunch of different places, but mm-hmm. it's based on the culture of that neighborhood, the design and I see. aesthetic and vibe and you know, the type of seating that those people want so that it fits within the community. It's not just 16 handles, um, you know, stamped everywhere all at once. So, um, yeah, we're, we're very thoughtful in that because I, I do think I stream. Again, it's just so community-focused, and, and so I think the yeah. franchising model works well, but in that exact spirit, I think uh, every franchisee does have a little bit more leverage in our franchise system than they might in others, where we want them to bring in their community, and if that mm-hmm. means some small changes here and there, not only will we support that, we'll, we'll help with that. We'll do the graphic design. Right. We'll, um, you know, our, our goal and our franchisees' goals is, you know, of course, increasing revenue making people happy, but making mm-hmm. people happy is selling more product. And so yeah. uh, anything yeah. we can do to continue to increase our revenue, we're totally on board for And Yeah, that was definitely my approach as a franchisee, and now it's, it's my approach as a franchisor. And you'll see the, the other, my two VPs, uh, and, and really the, the management of the brand is also by other franchisees. Eric and Lisa both run mm-hmm. uh, the Fairfield, Connecticut store. And so we're taking this kind of franchisee-centered approach to franchising, right. which you know, I right. think is refreshing because, like you said, I've also spoken to a lot of these other franchisors. I, you know, at some mm-hmm. point thought about getting into the chicken concept. And, you know, right. I've seen how their systems are, and it just it does sort of sometimes feel like you're working for them even though you own your own store. Right. And that wasn't exactly, right. you know, that, that wasn't exactly what I wanted to do when I was a franchisee, and so it's not what I want to sell as a franchisor. 
It seems the model too. I mean, is is I imagine one of the things that attracted you to the model, Neil, and you know this better than I do. But I, I've been in these types of of, of um, locations before. Is is the simplicity of it? It doesn't seem like you have to have a lot of manpower within a sixteen handles to, to to run it. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Low labor, high margin. Um, yep. So we always have, yeah. <laughs> Usually our stores have, you know, two to three people at most mm-hmm. teams of like right. six to eight people. If there's an active owner who, who's, who's working some of the, the hours, then it could be a team of, you know, three kind of helpers here. And there. They, they're, they are much easier to operate than a lot of other concepts because the, the money makers, the, the soft serve machines, and we use a kind of bespoke soft serve machine now, but mm-hmm. those soft serve machines, they're, as automated as you can be, you know, everyone's talking about, oh, we got to automate the fry cooks and all these things. Right. Our whole business was was always automated and, and right. being self-serve. Um, right. You know, the, the, and, and self-serve works. It's not that we're self-serve yeah. to save labor. It's because the customers want that customiz- customization experience where they can make, uh, you know, one of a million creations. Anytime it's not the same thing if they don't want it to be. Or it is if they do want it to be, but you know, usually you add a new topping in, you, you try something different every time, and you know, we don't. It's not like we uh, some of our competitors who are very stingy on the topping. If you want to mm-hmm. load it up with mochi or bursting bubbles right. or uh, you know gummy bears, load it up with gummy bears. You know? right. Who are we to say right. no? Um, right. So uh, yeah, it, it's definitely a lot less labor um, on the management side too. Uh, it's a little bit easier to manage. There's, of course, a lot of skews of yogurt because it's 16 flavors at any given time. Uh, but yeah. we very much know through experience which flavors work during which season. Um, I see. And, and we always bring in a variety, but uh, we, we try to make it easier for the franchisees to continue the rotation so that customers always feel like they're getting a fresh menu. Right. But at the same time, they're not turned off by anything they're saying. They're in fact, engaging more and more with the store by that. So, um, yeah, we, we, we like to uh, say that it's a little bit easier to manage from a, a ownership perspective, a little bit cheaper on labor costs than a lot of other comparable franchisors and, and franchise concepts. Um, but at the same time, if you look at our average unit volume, it's, it's mm-hmm. really, uh, really high. And, I mean, so right. much higher than some of the other frozen dessert places. Um, and that's because customers just have a really good experience. It's, it's a really nice vibe. And, and community within 16 handles, and so people go there. They they enjoy going there. Yeah. It's not just like a a kids place after dessert. Or sure. A kids place after school. Yeah. No, I do. I, I I totally get it. What were your thoughts on the new? I saw um, in a press release recently, Neil, uh, the butter beer. Um, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, butter beer did everything we wanted to do and more, and and it was a great experience. The thought there, just to give some behind the uh, the yeah. knowledge. This is a flavor we created towards the earlier half of last year um, okay. with the thought that November is usually a tough month. People are so focused on yeah. you know, Black Friday, the holidays mm-hmm. coming up, getting yeah. their year-end bonuses, whatever. So th- there's so many things going in their mind. How do you still market to those people? And in a month that's cold and people probably aren't thinking of, of ice cream as much, how do you give them an experience that is worth it for them to walk into your shop or to drive and park and go to your shop? Um, right. And so Butterbeer was that. It was a flavor that's so strange, you literally have to come in and taste it. Um, yeah. And so uh, with that, I mean, the, the week that we launched it, we saw a 40% jump um, in year-over-year weekly sales. Uh, and so we were really, really happy with that. The, the customers have been really pleased with that. 
16 handles. We're known we launch a flavor every 16th of the month uh, on the 16th. So every year, um, every month, we're we're always innovating and coming up with new ideas. But especially in the winter, it's more about these experiential flavors mm-hmm. that draw people in through marketing in times where people might not be thinking of 16 handles as frequently as they do during the summer when you know you want to go out and celebrate the winds and you want to eat ice cream because it's 80 degrees outside. So. Right. We had a great experience with it. Um, it's still in the handle for a, a limited time, and I'm sure customers are going to miss it. So maybe it's one we'll bring back. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's fantastic. There was a, a popular movie, I guess it was back in the 80s, and, and my wife wanted me to ask you, and I said, I didn't want to ask you this question. But she said, the, the movie 16 Candles, it just has a nice ring to it, 16 Handles. It's so easy to remember. I, I was always, she wanted to know, was it based off of that movie? Is that where they came up with the number 16, or was it just kind of a... I, the, the, the answer that I understand it to be is it's a little bit of everything. It's, a little yes, bit of everything. The, the 16 <laughs> Candles was definitely like the name recognition or the, right. the, like the verbal it's a great recognition name. of that was yeah. definitely helpful. But also 16 flavors is the perfect amount. Yeah. Uh, because right. it allows us to have the signature ones, but also, yeah. like, you know, we're never going to not have vanilla, chocolate, sure. uh, the tart flavors, things like that. But at the same time, we need enough uh, handles so that we can rotate some seasonal flavors within there and keep things fresh. So it, it, it fits. 16 also, just let's break down the number for a second, a very happy number. If you think mm-hmm. about when you're 16, you've got yes. 16 going on. Yes. You're like nearing the, the kind of time in your life when you're so confident and you feel right. on top of the world. You think you know everything. It's just like a, a happy, even number. So for so many reasons, the name works. But yeah, right. 16 Candles uh, was, definitely, was definitely a thought during that, uh, the, the, those first okay. conversations. So I'm glad I asked the question. I didn't want to ask the question originally. I was like, I'm not going to ask him that. That's a crazy question to ask, but it, it makes sense. Though. I, I, I think it's fantastic. What, um, speaking of, of franchising, Neil, I mean, so what's, what's important to you? Um, I mean, are there any types of characteristics or traits that, that you, you, you consider important before you take on a franchisee to 16 handles? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, obviously there's the boring one, the, the network, the mm-hmm. financial sure. um, aspect, making sure somebody really can make this investment and, uh, right. uh, you know, is, is ready to in their, in their career, in their trajectory, and knowing that it's going to take some time. You know, we don't want people who are going to be fully passive. We want some level of activism where the franchisee can experience the store and, and can really know their team members, especially in the early years of running the business. Um, and, and can really help impact the community with it. So right. um, not to say right. that you know, uh, the, the job of the owner is to bring in all their customers because it's not. You know, that's why you're paying for a brand name. But mm-hmm. you're definitely in the community building aspect. And we want people who are ready for that, who, who want to grow within their community and want to be known as the person who uh, you know, sells happiness. Right? Right. So we look for, for those types of people. I think we're definitely attracting a younger franchisee than, mm-hmm. than maybe average mm, and probably a newer franchisee, people who weren't thinking about starting franchise businesses right. or just looking at, you know, what's next in their life, what's, it, what's another thing they can do, and either know Danny, know myself, um, or just hear about 16 Handles through some right. of these kind of untraditional PR and, 
and saying, hey, this makes a lot of sense. This is, you know, mm-hmm. I can be early in on this thing, which, you know, it still is very early in fixing handles. I do think this will be a national brand within the next five years, 200, 300 stores around the country. Um, so, uh, you know, right now we're looking at around 45 units uh, crossing by uh, the next few months. So, um, you know, predominantly in the Northeast, but now, mm-hmm. let's see, six stores going around Houston and Texas and, and then all wow. over Texas, Dallas. Uh, and Austin markets also the uh, Florida market we're, we're so excited about a two units opening Orlando Jupiter along the East Coast and then we have a Naples store on the right. West Coast open earlier this year and, and Danny's opening his own store in Englewood wow. which is near Sarasota Florida right uh, very shortly so the so Florida great market the Carolinas as we start to cover the rest of the East Coast are an exciting market for us so yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely an exciting time for, for 16 months, but I think, um, yeah, we're, we're attracting a, a little bit of a younger franchisee, somebody who uh, this is probably their first experience in franchising and mm-hmm. really giving them experience with franchising, and, and so hopefully they don't ever go to another franchise because I think they'll be a little disappointed uh, right. if they start branching out. And, and <laughs> But, no, uh, we're really excited. We, we definitely are preferring multi-unit operators right now um, just because, you know, it, it's a little bit easier to not have to compete within, not hyper-local, but let's mm-hmm. say uh, general local markets. Um, right. So as we're thinking about, you know, some of these key areas, you know, Houston, for example, these are massive, massive markets. Right. Um, oh, yeah. It's a lot easier for us to block off sections and, and give people that right, that confidence that this is their territory to develop and they can be really successful within it as they build their stores um, rather than, you know, hey, you get this small little radius and we're going to look for another franchisee next door. We don't, we don't want to do that. We don't want to grow that way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We don't want that type of uh, culture within our franchisee that feels like it's, you know, competing to, to, right. to win out their market. We want to be able to expand with our franchisees. I myself still own and operate seven stores around Manhattan. Wow. Um, so, I get it. I mean, I, I, sure. I get the benefit of the exclusive area and that it takes time to build up a market, but once you do it, you can be really successful at it. And, uh, and so, yeah, we're, we're just trying to find the right people that we want to grow with that really want to get involved in their community and, and, and love 16 Handles, the brand and the mission. That's fantastic. Well, I know you have a bunch of meetings coming up today, Neil, so I, I, I want to respect your time. What's the best way for our listeners to get more information on 16 Handles? Uh, of course, there's the franchise opportunity, but even the product itself. Any websites you want to kind of direct them to? Sure, yeah. The 16 Handles website, uh, 16handles, plural, uh, .com, even if you type okay. it wrong, we, all, we own all the domains. Um, and then, you know, for franchising opportunities, own a 16handles.com. Which is, uh, which is where we talk a little bit more about the opportunity, the FDD, and, and all those uh, you know, uh, boring requirements, sure. let's call them. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're here to talk. I, I love getting on camera virtually with people um, all over yeah. the country. So, you know, submit an inquiry on the website, and, and we'll open up the conversation if uh, it sounds like an interesting opportunity. Well, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed talking to you, Neil. I'd already like to invite you back in the future as, as you continue to grow. I think this is a wonderful franchise opportunity, and it was a privilege for me to speak with you today. I really appreciate being on the show, and, uh, and yeah, we'd love to come back later on. Thanks, Neil. This was my pleasure. We'll be right back with more franchise interviews.
Coming up in our next segment, we'll be playing a clip from our great quotes and franchising podcast right here on Franchise Interviews. Franchisers, are you looking to reach aspiring entrepreneurs looking to buy a franchise? Are you looking to reach a highly educated audience on franchising? Franchise Interviews, an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship through our website, FranchiseInterviews.com. Or you can hear and read interviews as well as get tips from some of the most successful sources in franchising. Our weekly franchise radio show where each week you get to hear a new interview with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts and attorneys, and our podcast, Great Quotes in Franchising. For more information, go to FranchiseInterviews.com or call us at 610-905-2919. That's 610-905-2919. Today's great quote in franchising is being brought to you by Franchise Teacher. Would you like to know how to franchise your concept or grow your franchise business? Meet the experts at Franchise Teacher. The goal of Franchise Teacher is to teach, coach, consult, and advise. The team of experts at Franchise Teacher will evaluate your business model and present you with a winning business strategy. Franchise Teacher will help you decide whether or not your concept works and if it's franchisable. Franchise Teacher is proud to have over 30 years of experience in franchising as both franchisees and franchisors. Franchise Teacher are developers of over a dozen franchise systems which include brick and mortar as well as home-based concepts of nearly 3,000 combined franchise locations. Whether you need to add more units or get more customers, Franchise Teacher can help. We will teach. Franchise Teacher will help you learn our proven system. Coach. Franchise Teacher will help you provide a game plan to succeed. Consult. Franchise Teacher will make sure you stay on track. And advise. Franchise Teacher will help you learn from our over 30 years of experience in franchising as both franchisees and franchisors. Take advantage of our free, no-obligation phone consultation. Simply go to FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. That's FranchiseTeacher.com. Or call us at 561-385-3032. Hi, everyone. This is Marty McDermott, the president of Franchise Interviews, and welcome to another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising, where each podcast you get to hear a great quote in franchising. You know, we've been hosting Franchise Interviews many years now, and during that time, we've had some incredible quotes on our show. Today you're going to get to hear from Nick Friedman, who is the founder of College Hunks Hauling and Junk and Moving Franchise Opportunity. And Nick said something really quite brilliant on our show that we haven't heard in over a decade of doing franchise interviews. We started speaking about the four F's of franchising, and interesting enough, we ended up with five F's of franchising as we were doing the interview with Nick. And, um, you know, in marketing, we talk about the four P's of marketing, which is product, price, promotion, and place. So I thought this was really brilliant what Nick said. So here we go with Nick Friedman, the founder of College Hunks Hauling and Junk Moving Franchise Opportunity. What, um, you know, the majority of our listeners, we call them Nick, we call them aspiring franchipreneurs. What types of characteristics do you look for in your franchisees? Uh, 
You know, uh, what I like to say is there's four F's when considering mm-hmm. a, a franchise, which is also, I guess, starts with a letter F. So, you know, there's mm-hmm. four F's that come out of a franchise. And I think this is what a prospective franchise should think of when they're considering what franchise they want to pursue. And this is, quite frankly, I think what franchisors should consider when they're evaluating a prospective franchisee. Uh, so right. the first F is fit, is fit. You know, do they mm-hmm. fit? In other words, do they have transferable skills that can make them effective at this business? Have they done anything in their prior professional uh, or personal lives uh, that would make them uh, be successful in this type of business? Uh, The second piece is the family side. In other words, does their family uh, support them in them pursuing this endeavor, whether it's their husband or wife or uh, uh, kids or or parents? You know, do they believe in them? Because you don't want things to get tough in their inner circle to say, I told you so. You want them to, you know, kind of cheer them on to get through it. Uh, the financial piece is important. In other words, are they capitalized yeah. to be able to invest in the opportunity, and do they have realistic uh, financial expectations? And then the last F is the fun factor. You know, can we have fun working with this individual? You know, franchising yeah. very much like a partnership, even though that's not typically called that. Uh, so it, you got to have you know uh, an alignment of vision and values to be able to enjoy. Uh, working together. So that's really what we look for. You know, we, we want people that believe in the secret sauce that we've already developed. Uh-huh. We don't want somebody to come tell us that they think it should be done differently. Uh, we want them to tell us that they believe in, 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 in what we've created. And, and sure, we would, you know, want to continuously approve and encourage ideas, but uh, not, you know, we want folks that believe in the system and are going to execute the system rather than trying to shortcut success by doing it, uh, you know, doing it their own way. And I think that's, you know, really no different in our system than any other franchise uh, uh, model that, that is uh, is going to be successful long term. They need to really take into account those factors. That's Yeah, no, that's great, Nick. We have this uh, great quotes in franchising podcast. Anytime we hear, you know, Michael Gerber has been in there a couple of times, but we're going to put that one in there because I haven't heard that in, in, in over a decade. And I, I, I think that's great advice to our listeners. It's really fantastic because it's true. I mean, you could really – your business, you could teach to anybody, couldn't you? I mean, pretty much, you know, it's, but, you know, it's interesting in putting those factors in there, you know, like family support, you know, and even at fun, I haven't heard that, you know, but it should be an enjoyable business. And, you know, because it is a stressful situation for the customers, I guess you got to be able to put a smile on your customer's face, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, as you know, there's over 3,000 franchise opportunities out there. So, Mm -hmm. you know, what's going to separate one from the other? It's got to be something that you can enjoy. And I guess I'll grab another F out of there. I'm I'm on a roll here. Fulfillment. You know, is is it something that, uh, you know, we're going to be fulfilled doing day in and day out? Because I think franchising is a lot lot like a gym membership. You know, if you join a gym, you've got fitness goals. You're getting access to all types right. of equipment, personal trainers, coaches, workout groups, but you still got to go and show up and do the work. So if you buy a franchise, you're getting access to the business model in a box. You're getting access to trainers, coaches, you know, fellow franchisees that you can you know hold each other accountable with. But you still got to show up and put in the effort to uh, to execute that business model. So uh, that's where I think those those factors come into play. Once you decide that you know you do like them. You know, and they like you, Nick, you know, and, and there is a fit, you know, what is the training like? I mean, do they typically come to Florida for training? How does that work? If you'd like to hear that whole interview with Nick Freeman of the College Hunks Hauling and Junk Moving Franchise Opportunity, all you have to do is go to FranchiseInterviews.com, go to our Franchise Interviews by Category page, and then go to our Home Repair and Improvements page, and you'll be able to listen to that whole show with Nick Freeman. It was really a fantastic interview. It's great to finally have Nick on the show. And lastly, we'd just like to thank everyone for making this podcast such a big hit. It's hard to imagine we've been doing it now over 10 years, and uh, it's just amazing to see where the podcast podcast is gone. So thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you again soon with another edition of Great Quotes and Franchising sponsored by Franchise Interviews. Take care everyone.
franchise interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews.